Welcome, everyone, to yet another edition of our Tuesday's Timely Torah Talks. We have a very special guest this week. We have a very dear friend, Rabbi Zechari Warstein Shlita, a man that needs no introduction. Baruch Hashem, the rabbi has been by Chazak for many, many years. I think since the inception, more or less, and Baruch Hashem uh, that has been at the big Chazak events and the programs, and everyone knows that the, Rabbi Warstein is the founder of Ornava, which is a huge women's Torah center, and many other great uh, programs and, and a world-renowned lecture and an author. Rabbi Warsin, welcome. How are you doing? Thank you. Amazing. Baruch Hashem. Amazing. Baruch Very Hashem. glad to be able to be here tonight. Almost Pesach. That's amazing. Right. amazing. Very exciting. Very exciting. Thank you for your time. You know how busy Rebbe is. And we heard that uh, Rebbe Baruch Hashem just had a refuah shalema. You just got COVID. I got it in the beginning in March. Everyone, uh, my chaver, you know, everyone got it in the beginning. You just had it and Baruch Hashem recovered. Uh, how are you feeling? And, and what do we learn from uh, from COVID, Rabbi? Well, I had I had temperature for almost two weeks. Wow. Um, not very, very high. Not 104. Only about 101. Um, and... Uh, it threw my whole system so off, no strength, you know, sweating at night, like really bad, um, ju- just no appetite. And, and it was only a, a little teeny bit of temperature. And, and, and I, I, I thank Hashem now all the time that I'm 98.6, not, not any higher. And I learned a very big lesson that, that your temperature could be a little bit off and your, your whole system... So now it's interesting. I say Ashiyatsa. Everyone thinks that Ashiyatsa is only for going to the bathroom, right? You come out of the bathroom, make Ashiyatsa. But if you if you if you listen to what you're saying in Ashiyatsa, you know, it's not only going to the bathroom, it's any you know, Nebuch people had blood clots from COVID and, and, and they passed away from the blood clots. And that's you know, that's a pipe being blocked. It's not going to the bathroom pipe. So I started thinking about, you know, the whole Ashiyatsa. Um, and and the, the interesting is, it's if you're not sick, what does that mean? Hashem heals everybody. But if I'm not sick, he's not healing me. So what does that bracha mean? Most people go to the bathroom, they come out, they're healthy. What it means is, your body, there's so many things that can be going wrong all the time that God has to keep healing it. Oh, I was like, yeah, I, I didn't get COVID till I was supposed to go for my vaccination. And then I got COVID. But um, <laughs> just to drop off a, a little cell that you can't see. It's not the, the Russian, you know, uh, nuclear bombs coming to, to attack America. It's this little teeny. So very much, um, very thankful to Hashem. I am very mocked, and everyone should take this up, that every morning before I leave shul, I stand by the Arna Kodesh and I say, I want to thank Hashem that I could smell, that I could taste, that I could hear, that I could see, and that I could feel. All five senses. Thank so you, Hashem. I, thank, right, you. thank you, Hashem. Exactly. <laughs> so when I got COVID, the first two days, I couldn't smell, and I couldn't taste, and I really panicked. I went downstairs. I tried to summon nothing. I went upstairs. I took rubbing alcohol. Rubbing alcohol smelled the bottle. That's right. Nothing. Nothing. Wow. I was like... Oh, yeah. My wife made me tease. Nothing. I said, hold on, Hashem. I thank you every day for being able to smell and taste. Come on, give me a break. And two days after I got COVID, I got it all back. Unreal. So I was like, thank you, Hashem. And I'm thanking you, Hashem. But I, th- I thank you before COVID. 
So yeah, we have to thank Hashem every day that even more so now that our all five senses work because I know people that have it a year ago and they still can't taste and they can't smell and everything tastes like cardboard. Coffee tastes like nothing. I can't even imagine that. So yeah, I think what you learn from this whole thing is really more appreciation, but for things that you might you didn't you you thought was so natural that you just didn't appreciate. So yeah, I'm very happy my my fever broke. And the minute my fever broke, I'm um, getting a little nervous after two weeks of fever. The doctor was getting nervous too. When my fever broke, I was like, thank you, Hashem, that I'm 98.6. I never said that in my life. Thank you, Hashem, that I'm 98.6. <laughs> I'm like, thank you, Hashem, I'm 98.6. Not lower, not higher. Baruch Hashem, Hashem, thank you, Hashem. It's definitely a very, very big lesson. We have to appreciate what we have. Unfortunately, people only realize and appreciate what they have once they lose it. So let's appreciate everything that we have, the health and the happiness and the family and everything, all the good that we have. So we're we're right before Pesach. It's the pre-Pesach timely Tuesday Torah talk. And uh, the simple question is, Rabbi, what's your favorite part of Pesach? What's your favorite part of Passover, Rabbi? My favorite part of Pesach is the Seder. The Seder, okay. Definitely definitely not cleaning the cars. That's not my favorite part of Seder. (laughs) I, I like to shop. I'm a big shopper. Really? Yeah, oh. I've always I've always been a big shopper. Um, my when I was 16 years old, I wanted to get a license. I lived in Muncie, and sort of made a deal with my parents that if they let me get a license, I'll do all the shopper shopping. That was already at 16, so I started shopping when I was 16. And uh, my mother didn't need me to shop, but I loved it. And I'm now much older than that. Um, and my wife doesn't need me to shop, but every single Friday. I spend my whole Friday shopping because I go to one store for this, one for that. And one of my favorite stores is the flower store. Um, I buy the flowers for the house. Wow. I also, buy, I also buy the flowers actually from my high school, BCA. So when we opened 12 years ago, the girls were not keeping shoppers. They were very disconnected. Also, they did not have relationships with their parents at all. Um, and I wanted to give them some type of Friday. I knew they weren't keeping shoppers some type of, you know, feeling for Shabbos. My father, Oliver Shalom, my whole life, since I remember, always brought home flowers for Shabbos. It's very in today. 60 years ago, it was not in. People didn't do it. But he always came home with two brachas, two flowers that had a, a rose, which is a, a bure, um atse b'samen, because it has thorns and it has a heart. And then he would buy a flower that smelled that was bure iste b'samen. So we always made two brachas, and he always brought this. He always brought it home. So it was just something that you know what your father does, you do, and I uh, and he bought the flowers. So I go every Friday to buy the flowers for my school, and every girl, every girl in my high school, it's now twelve years. I don't miss. Wow. Gets, gets a single wrapped rose. One week it's purple. One week it's white. One week it's red, yellow. Um, and I give them this rose, and I'm like, take it home to your mother for Shabbos. So at the same time, we're making a relationship with Shabbos. We're making a relationship with the parents, and I also buy a 9 by 13 pan of chulin. You never believe it. They wipe it out. Girls, they wipe out that chulin. <laughs> so when I go to the Wait, house, your favorite part is shopping or the Seder, Rabbi Walrus team? No, so I'm getting to the Seder. So, <laughs> so there's two things. It's, it's the shopping and, and buying, you know, for Pesach and being part of it. And when I um, buy the onions and the potatoes and everything else, I say, I am buying this for the Pesach, for the Seder. I went and bought matzah for the Seder. Because it says if you say that, then the food has a 
special neshama, special covered Shabbos Kodesh. Right. So this is the covered Shabbos, the covered Yantiv, the covered Pesach. Um, so that's part of it. But the Seder itself, to sit there with my children and my grandchildren um, from the day I got married till the day my father passed away, um, which was about, I would say, 40 years, that he, you know, that he made always the Seder. The Seder, I always went to him. I, wouldn't, I didn't go to, I, my deal was, I go to him, my in-laws, I went, the other young Tovin, but the Seder had to be by my father. Um, it was till three, four o'clock in the morning. Wow. We, yeah, we, we never rushed it. We never got finished before three, four o'clock in the morning. Dvatoras, um, everything, and the beauty of sitting around, looking at your family and talking about your Mitzrayim. Um, not only about ETS Mitzrayim, but your Mitzrayim, your addiction, the stuff that you couldn't get out of, the stuff that you changed. Um, you know, the, the Jews, when they left Mitzrayim, they had this slavery type of attitude. They wanted to keep going back. And like, what am I a slave to? Am I a slave to my music? Am I a slave to my movies? Am I a slave to what am I a slave to? How did I break out? Do I miss it? Do I want to go back? And everybody would talk about, you know, their challenges that year. Amazing, amazing. So for me, the Seder um, is very, 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 very special and very appreciative to be able to sit at a table and listen to my grandchildren and my children, you know, say Tyra. And I say Tyra, it's the Seder, even by the irreligious and the non-religious at all, reform even, there, there, there are two things. Yom Kippur, that they try to keep the way they keep, and um, they won't even they won't eat. And and the seder, the seder is always in the irreligious. There was a movie called The Ten Commandments um, that they watch on the seder night. I try to tell the kids I was teaching like, no, Moses did not look like Charlton Heston, um, and the mountain didn't look like that, and Cleopatra definitely had nothing to do with it. Um, so I try to talk them out of it, but but they they want to have some kind of connection to you know to a seder. So to me. It's, it's just an amazing time for family. It's family. And I love it. I love it. I look forward to it big time. It's amazing. That's great to always be together with family. Unfortunately, the guy only have once a year. Thanksgiving, Baruch Hashem. Thank God, us uh, Yidin Jews, we have uh, Shabbos every single week and so many holidays in Yom Tovim. Baruch Hashem. Rabbi, just last year, during the Pesach Seder, we were all in lockdown, quarantine. And we weren't able to go to other people's houses. Baruch Hashem, this year we're, quote-unquote, a little bit more free, freedom. Uh, what lessons could we learn from last year compared to this year, which is a little bit, again, it's not fully where we could go uh, to the, the, a lot of Pesach programs are closed this year. Uh, anything we can learn from... Uh, a lot of Pesach programs are also open this year. Oh, yeah? Okay, that's great. Yeah, yeah. There, there are, I was told there are, there are 100,000 Jews going to... Orlando, wow. all those homes, a hundred thousand Jews, but not to a program to the homes. To these homes, but but in these homes, they're, they're private chefs and they're bringing food. And mm-hmm. some of them, it's it's amazing. It's is Ornaba doing the program this year? I know you guys. Uh, do. My program is with my family this year, um, which I really appreciate because when Ornaba did the program, I really didn't get to the seder till two o'clock because I went to every single seder in the program and brought the kids frogs. And puppets and muppets and so Baruch Hashem, I could do that with my kids this year. I'm really looking forward. Really, really, really looking forward. Uh, I think that it's very interesting because last year was lockdown. Yeah, Mitzrayim was also lockdown. Ooh. On the night of Pesach, you were not allowed to go outside. You had to stay inside with the door closed and have a you know the blood on the inside of the door to remember the, you know the current Pesach. But the real Pesach. 
total lockdown. Interesting. Total lockdown. So we would like to have a Pesach this year in Eretz Yisrael with the Korn Pesach with no lockdown whatsoever. But we do have to appreciate that, that, that yeah, that we're, that's, that we're not totally locked down. And, and thank Hashem. Like, you're right. We took for granted, you know, until last year. Well, anybody can come. Who wants to come can come. And it was the last year. Like, and, and, you know, we lost a lot of people this year. A lot of good people. A lot of tzaddikim. And, and, and you know, you're sitting at your Seder and they're not. They're in Shemayim. Oh. I don't know if they have a Seder in Shemayim. I'm not sure. But they're not getting the mitzvah of leaning and, and drinking four kosos and eating matzah. And you have a chance to do that this year. you got to thank Hashem, that, that Baruch Hashem, you have a chance to sit at your Seder. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's exciting and it's amazing. Baruch Hashem. I'm looking forward to it. We're all looking forward. It's Hashem. We should be, uh, we should see the Geula as well. Rabbi, any memorable Pesachs that come to mind, something that stick, stuck out, that sticks out, uh, with the Pesach Seders, maybe something in your programs. Uh, that... I'd like to tell you a story, nothing to do with my program. Let me tell you a story. My father's Seder, probably, I'm 63, so we're going back. Oh, wow, Rabbi's that young. Baruch Hashem. We're going back. Rabbi, 40 years. Wow. Okay, we're going back 40 years. So I lived in Muncie. This is very important for everyone. So, um, my father always wanted to do something special for Pesach. We had blue old carpet in the house. He decided for that Pesach that my parents went out and they bought this white, gorgeous, white, wall-to-wall carpet. And he made sure that it was installed. Okay. We had a family over for the first Seder night. We had a family over. Um, they were like just Balchuvas. And I was teaching the son a little bit about Torah, whatever it was. And we were, my father loved to have people over. We invited them over for the Seder. They never saw my father's Seder went till four o'clock. And, 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 and it was just a gorgeous table, whatever. It was amazing. Your father, a rabbi like you, rabbi? Nope. Businessman, regular businessman. So this is a true story. We're sitting at the table and the kid, the, the young 13-year-old kid that I was teaching by accident, knocked over his glass of wine. On the wine carpet. On the wine carpet. But I'm not talking about a little glass. I'm talking about a cup of wine all over the white carpet. My mother was going to freak out. I mean, you're talking about wine stain on a white carpet. And my father says, not a problem. Ten minutes later... The Eliyahu Navi cup, which is five times the size. My father leans over to get Haggadah and he knocks, I mean, and that whole cup spills on the floor. So he tells, his name was Avrami. He says, Avrami, you see, if you wouldn't have done it, I didn't, I would have done it. So it doesn't make a difference. When we clean my stain, we'll clean your stain. And he made them feel like nothing happens. He purposely knocked it over. Purposely. Yeah. Wow. What a lesson. In the middle of the table. It wasn't near him. Not so that was to me chinuch. He wasn't a rabbi. He wasn't a rebbe. But the chinuch I saw there, and these people were so nervous because of the white carpet, the new carpet, the wall seat, whatever it is. And my father said to, said to the kid, he said, "Okay, if you would have done it, I would have to clean the have the guy come anyway. So clean yours, they're clean mine." And we had them to sedarim for for many years after that. Yeah. So he wasn't a rabbi, but he was my rebbe. 
Unbelievable. Amazing. Amazing. Unbelievable amazing. lesson. Unreal. Unreal. So I don't have anything. I don't have anything on a paycheck program that even comes close to that. <laughs> I, I remember Rabbi, Rabbi Orson, you, you were recently, Baruch Hashem, you, you gave an in-person cheer in, uh, in, uh, by Chazaka, and, and you said something very interesting over about how every single person should set up the, the, the Pesach table. Can you just uh, reiterate that point? I remember that was very well, powerful. It says in the Kabbalah that you should not have a non-Jew set your table because Hashem's coming to the Seder, but the table should be set by a Jew, by a young girl, a whole thing. But when I went to my Pesach program, the waitresses were Spanish, whatever. They weren't, we didn't hire Jewish waitresses. So I came to the table and I'm like, I'm the one who taught this. Like, uh-oh, the whole <laughs> table is set. So we took all the dishes off and all the glasses off, put it on a chair, straightened out the thing, and then reset the table. Amazing. Oh, so, yeah, we used, to do, we used to do that. I mean, we had some amazing... I also had a very program that nobody had. Oh, this is an interesting thing that I, everyone... This is uh, something you should hear. Listen to this. This is amazing. Hashem sending me this message. You have to hear this. My father had a minhag to make the, the maror. So you have romaine lettuce, but we eat that white horseradish. You have, right? So you can buy it. You can buy it ready-made. In those days, you really couldn't buy it ready-made, but now you can buy it ready I want to tell you, there's a store in Borough Park that sells ready-made. You ready, everybody? Salt water! It's 99 cents. I saw it today. A jar says salt water, 99 cents. People are so lazy, they can't even take water and put salt in it. I was like, oh my gosh. Everything's ready. Everything's pre-made. Everything's pre-made. Anyway, so my father's minig, maybe with the Yekish, I don't know where it came from, is that we made the maror, we grinded the maror with our own hands, with one of those metal grinders, very hard to do right before the Seder, so the white horseradish would be so hot. So feel it was it. fresh. It would be so hot, you'd feel it. So when we used to sit there as kids, and this is beautiful, as we used to grind it, it goes into your nose, and it makes you cry. It, you can't even control it. It makes you cry. It was like a whole game. We put, we put like, washcloths on our face. It was like, oh, I got some ice up, and I don't have a Seder. My grandchildren, my children... Everybody has to take a turn and grind. Everybody. The littlest kid. Everybody. Why? My father used to say that when you do this and you're crying, say a prayer to God. And the prayer to God is, if I have to cry this year tears of pain, these should be the only tears I cry. Wow. Every single Pesach Seder night, I said that prayer. And my grandchildren and my children, we make it. And the little kids are like, hey, hey. I'm like, say, Hashem, if I have to cry and tears this year, this should be the only time I cry. Whoever's, whoever's listening, do it. Do it. 100%. That's amazing, Rabbi. Unbelievable. I never heard of that. And uh, so many lessons we're learning from this uh, Torah talk, Rabbi. Unbelievable. Let's end off with one final message, Rabbi Warson, you can give to our audience, whether it's a story, whether it's ins- inspirational insight, something about Pesach for us to take home. There's so many gems that we've already uh, heard. One final one, Rabbi. Okay, so this one um, is an extremely important message for everyone, especially after a year like this. So this is the, the Jewish law and the code of law, the Shulchan Aruch says, 
Charoses, charoses, that's how you say it? How do you charoses. say it? Charoses, right. It's made from apples um, and red, sweet red wine. I think them use dates, maybe. We use um, cinnamon, apple, wine. Sweet wine. Now, what is charoses in memory of? It's in memory of the bricks, right? It's the, made like a brick. Sometimes it tastes like a brick, but it's made like a brick. I don't know if you get that tells a thing that comes in a box. They collect sadaka. It's a brick. It tastes like a brick. But anyway, so they used to take, when, you, when the Jews didn't have enough bricks, they used to take, if they didn't fill up the, the amount that they needed to do, they took a Jewish baby and they stuck them in the wall instead of the brick. And the baby would die in the wall. And then the Jews would have to cement it. We can't even imagine. The Nazis didn't even do that. It's like, it's like you can't imagine taking a baby and making them into a Money that we should never know. Beyond anything you can understand. Ask the rabbis, if it's in memory of such a terrible thing, why is it sweet? It should be made with vinegar. And the, and the Shulchan Aruch says, it should be made with sweet wine, red wine, to remind you of the blood of the children. That's why red wine, the Shulchan Aruch says. So that should be sweet. It should be the most bitter thing in the world. And you take your marar, which is bitter, which is in memory of getting whipped and beaten, and you dip it into the charosis to make it sweet. The charosis is worse than the marar. That was okay. We were slaves. There were other people in America that were slaves. It's bad. Don't get me wrong. But, but you're dipping it into baby's blood to make the marar better? It makes tomorrow worse. Here's the message, everyone. Listen carefully. So the answer is a, med- a medrash, a fascinating medrash. When the Mitzrim came, when the Jews were caught and they were going to Kriyas Yamsuf, and the Mitzrim were behind them, so the, the angels of the Mitzrim said, they did avoid Yisrael, the Jews did avoid Yisrael, why are they any better than the other ones? And the angels of the Jews said, well, they used to take kids and throw Jewish kids into the, into the Yamsuf. And therefore, when the Jews went through and the Egyptians were in it, they said, now you have to do Mida Keneged Mida. I don't know how you say that in English, but Mida Keneged Mida. They drowned, the, they drowned Jewish kids. God, now you have to drown them. Right? You get, you get what you did. So listen to this. The angels of the Mitzvah, they're angels, they know how to learn, said that the law is that if a king, there, there are three things you're not allowed to do. You have to, you have to, if someone says kill someone, you're not allowed to kill them. If someone says bow down to Abu Zara, to, you're not allowed to commit adultery, you can't do them. But the Shulchan Aruch says, if you do them, let's say they put a gun to you and say, kill you, kill this kid, and you kill them, you're not Chayv Misa because you're an Ones, you were forced. So you should have given up your life, but if you don't, you don't get punished. So the Mitzvah said to Hashem, you can't punish the Egyptians. The, the king told them to throw the children into the Nile. If you don't listen to the king, it's death. So they were forced, Baones, to kill the kids. And therefore, according to your Jewish law, they're potter. You can't. So therefore, you cannot kill the Egyptians. And God turned to the Malach Michael and said, they're right. What do you have to say? So the Medrash says he ran, he flew down to Mitzrayim 
took a baby out of the wool, a dead baby out of the wool, and came back to Shemayim and threw the body of the baby at God's feet. And God said, what is this? And Michal said, the Egyptians put these babies in the wall, but Paro, if you look in the Torah, Paro never told them to do that. Paro said, throw the kids in the water, but he never told them, if there's not enough bricks, put kids in the wall. That was the Mitzrim which shot him. So Hashem said, and what do you have to answer for that? To the, and the Mitzrim had no answer. So he said, Kalein, finish them now. And that's when all the water killed them. So, even though it was terrible that these children were in the wall, because of the children in the wall, the Egyptians were wiped out. What do we learn from this? That sometimes things that look very bad is really very good for you. So take the maror, which is bitter. Your life that you're going through, whatever you're going through, which is bitter, and dip it in the charoses and learn from the charoses that even though it was very bad, it was very sweet because it saved the Jews. And therefore, your bitterness will become sweeter. And therefore, take your maror and dip it in the charoses and understand that what looks bad to you is really good, and that will help you get through your marah. I call it about everything for the best. Oh, wow. That's the lesson. Unbelievable lesson. Even though there's so much craziness and so much problems and so much bad going on in the world, we have to look. It's for our good. A man came to me this morning. I'll end with this. A man came just so you don't, people really don't, he said there was a leaf on a tree. And the leaf was watching all the leaves in the floor. All the leaves were flying on the floor, flying, going up, flying down. And it was like very jealous. I'm stuck to this tree. I can't do nothing. I can't roll. I can't fly in the wind. And he was so upset. And he was crying to Hashem. I'm stuck on this tree and everybody's partying. And all the other leaves are flying. Oh, I can't take it. And then at the end of the fall, before the winter, the leaf just disconnects from the tree and it's like I'm floating I'm partying I'm dead because I'm disconnected from my life source so everybody to those who hold on to the tree you're alive don't look at everything that's going on in the world Movies, the parties, the guy, yeah, everyone's partying and dancing and there, da, da, da. everyone's having a good time. And you're like, I don't want to go to yeshiva. I don't want to be tied down, go to shul. I want to go to public school. I want to smoke up. I want to party. I want to be all over the place. Yeah. But as long as you're connected to the tree, as long as you're connected to Chazak, as long as you're connected to Torah, you're alive. Ah. Rabbi, true freedom, Torah, it's Chaimi, ah, beautiful Rabbi Wallerstein. What is freedom, Rabbi? Freedom, in America, everyone thinks freedom is... Do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. Yes, 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 yes. What's the one word a slave can never say? No. When you tell a slave, pick that up. Yes, sir. Clean that up. Yes, sir. If he says no, he's dead. So what's freedom? 
Freedom is the ability to say no. Uh. A, slave, a slave always says yes. Freedom is the ability to say no. That's a person who's free. No, I'm not doing this. No, I'm not following this. No, I can say no. That's freedom. So when you sit, when you sit by the Seder, everybody, and you're talking about your Yetzirah Mitzrayim, pick something in your life that is an addiction or something that you just always say yes to, which is not good for you, and be able to say no so that next year you could say, last year I was in Eved, we say in the Haggadah, the Shana Ba B'nei Chayrim, free. I said no. Wow. Rabbi Wallerstein. Thank you. Freedom in, true freedom. Unbelievable. Yeshakach, Hazaku Baruch, for the inspiration. Powerful, powerful words. As usual, we want to thank you, Rabbi, for all that you do for Klaus, for the Jewish people. You should have a Chag Kasher V'Sameach. Complete 100% recovery. Amen. We should be Zoche. We should merit seeing each other in Eretz Yisrael with the Geulash Nema, with the Kalim Redemption, speeding our days. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, everyone. Have a happy Pesach, everybody. Pesach. Happy Pesach, everyone. Happy Pesach. Sweet Pesach.